and welcome to the Your Lifestyle Medics podcast. We're Tizia and Marissa, and we're GPs and lifestyle medicine doctors based in beautiful New Zealand. Join us as we explore food, lifestyle, well-being, and more to find out what you can do to start living your best life today. Hello and welcome to Your Lifestyle Medics podcast. My name's Tizia. And I'm Marissa. And today we welcome Helen Diverston, a registered nurse who holds an advanced diploma in mental health. She runs a business called One Life, which approaches building resilience and supporting mental health through nutrition and lifestyle medicine. Today we're going to be covering nutrition for ADHD. Thanks, Helen. Thanks for joining us. Thank you both. Such a good topic. It's a huge topic, actually, I think as well. It's... um, a topic that has a lot of discussion, um, especially mm. out there on social media. So, yeah. Mm. So, Helen, um, I wonder if we just cut straight into it about, I know um, <clears throat> your background is in um, mental health and nursing, and then you've um, described to us in a previous podcast how you really came to um, a, a be, becoming aware of how nutrition can have such a massive impact on mental health. Um, and I wondered if you maybe you could sort of start with the basics of um, you're working with somebody um, potentially that has ADHD and wants to improve their mental health through nutrition, um, you know, improve their condition. Was there some um, sort of the basis around what you would explain, how it works for them and what they should be considering? Mm-hmm. So with um, ADHD, I think the, the premise is very similar to what we would normally recommend for somebody to really focus on a whole food diet and really looking at ensuring that you're getting the right amount of vitamins and minerals and um, proteins, sort of amino acids, um, which actually support neurotransmitter production. So we really look at that as one of the, the first line, it's the same advice we give to everyone. Mm-hmm. With people with um, ADHD, there can be a few other extra things that can be super important. One of the things that we probably not going to get too much into is about gut health mm-hmm. and because I think gut health can be a real issue in um, some people with ADHD or children with ADHD mm-hmm. so that's something that we can really have a at and actually sort of I always get people to kind of record what's going on with their gut and notice whether there's any issues with their gut in response to certain foods because I think that can make a really big impact on how we feel. Um, But the other thing is that some people with ADHD actually need extra, have been found to sort of need extra nutrients as well. And so some of the research has been, for example, around omega-3 fatty acids that um, people with ADHD actually seem to benefit from. Mm. The other side of things is that some people also may need to eliminate certain foods from their diet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And in terms of like that, I guess, you know, we've if um, because this one's following on from a previous episode that we've done kind of going into depth with nutrition and mental health. And like you said, it, it's kind of following on in terms of the same general concepts, which what what we talked about, um, if listeners haven't had listened and recommend that you do have listened to the episode because it's great, but, you know, aiming for kind of like a good, 
you know, whole food, you know, plant-focused diet, good variety of foods with the idea of really wanting to provide our body with, uh, um, you know, the raw materials that we need for making those, you know, neurotransmitters, so those brain chemicals as well. Um, mm. But I guess from an ADHD perspective, like, you know, what's the what's the rationale behind, you know, nutritions and, you know, specific foods and stuff? Is it is it to do with, you know, again, trying to like optimize that neurotransmitter production or are there kind of other factors at play as well that seem to affect um, ADHD symptoms and behavioral symptoms? Or like, would, could you take us through a little bit around that? Because I think it's an area that a lot of people aren't too sure about. And there's like you said, there's mm. lots of, kind of discussions on social media and a lot of debate around it as well. Mm. And once again, I think it's so challenging because every person is individual. So mm-hmm. whatever whether it's mental health, you know, ADHD, um, autism disorder, and that comes into contact with me and the same with you, is an individual. And they're going to mm. respond to things in different ways. So although we can have a blanket, this is what we suggest, you know, right, there are some people that um, are going to respond to certain foods very negatively that may not tolerate um, certain foods. And, for example, when we look at the research, one of the things that has been shown to be quite um, important are um, artificial food colourings. So mm. food colourings have been found to actually, um, if it has um, food, for example, then that can actually significantly improve their symptoms. So we go back to eliminating um, eliminating foods that are likely to be detrimental. So we come back to sort of trans fats, which once again can increase irritability, increase aggressiveness. This be an issue as well if you think of a child, um, irritable mm. behaviour. Um, so taking out those um, those trans fats, but then also looking at sugar. And if we think mm. about sugar control. We have a highly processed carbohydrate food, peak of blood sugar. We get the insulin release. We often get then a significant drop in blood sugar, and that can also increase irritability, um, mm. decrease the ability to concentrate, and and things like that. Helen, can I just ask for our listeners if they're not 100% sure what trans fats are, where would they find that in their food? So trans fats are highly processed oils. They are found in things like um, margarines, pies, cakes, pastries, um, basically highly processed foods that you would often purchase, you know, like donuts is another really good one, unfortunately. Deep fried, some deep fried foods can be high in trans fats. Um, it's a really, um, there's nothing nice about trans fats. There's nothing good <laughs> yeah. about them and you really don't want them in your diet. Mm. And I think the, the tricky thing about trans fats is like they're, they're often not labelled as trans fats. So um, where we say to people kind of look out for anything that talks about, I think partially hydrogenated vegetable oil is often what mm-hmm. they'll be labelled as. Um, but generally, like you said, you know, like technically a lot of, 
come like a lot of countries have actually banned trans fats and foods but um food labeling and manufacturers can be quite sneaky so they'll often find ways to get around this and add them into yeah. foods because the, the reason behind trans fats is that they are very cheap to produce and they're very very shelf stable so they have a long shelf life so they're super popular to use in processed foods basically because they don't go bad but um like mm. you said there's a lot of research coming out around the negative effects on not just on mental health but you know heart health general health as well so mm. and isn't it fascinating because a number of years ago we were told to all move away from butter mm, and, and have margarine, margarine <laughs> yeah. until they figured out that margarine is really high in trans fat mm, i know yeah it's funny how things go in circles hey <laughs> yes yeah yeah, yeah. And I think I think the sugar is another really good one. So often we get people kind of going, oh, you know, like is there proof that sugar affects ADHD? Um, and, you know, I know that there's a bit of debate that goes on around that. But I guess like, a, you know, your explanation of not necessarily the sugar, but the effects that it causes on blood sugar and insulin makes mm. makes a lot of sense. Like, could you just talk us through a little bit around, you know, the thoughts around why those foods could impact on mood and irritability in kids or well, kids what? and adults, but probably kids in particular? Kids and adults, I think, because once, so we believe peaks and troughs, once blood sugar level becomes very low, it sparks a So it actually starts um, cortisol and a little bit of adrenaline because our body then thinks it's in kind of in a starvation mode. Mm. And um, it goes into a stress response. And a stress response, obviously, if you're getting release of cortisol, which is considered the stress hormone, that's not the only thing it does, but we always think about cortisol as being a stress hormone, that can actually create sort of increased irritability and anxiety. Mm, hangry. So that, <laughs> that hangry, yeah, that yeah. hangry response. And mm. so, yeah, those highly processed carbohydrate foods, sugar peak, drop, um, trigger a stress response in the body. Mm. Yeah. Um, and also we find we also find as well like that inability to concentrate, like people kind of describe yeah. not being able to focus on things and like brain fog. And you know, obviously inattentiveness is like a characteristics of specific types exactly. of ADHD. Kind of go look if your brain's, you know, if your blood sugar's going up and down and your brain's not actually getting a steady supply of food, then of course you're gonna find it difficult to focus and concentrate. Like, you know, regardless of whether you have ADHD or not. But I think in particular people with ADHD seem to be a lot more sensitive to those fluctuations. Absolutely, absolutely. And the sensitivity is is, is part of that issue. Mm. You might be eating the similar sorts of foods, or as adults, you might be eating similar sorts of food, but it's, it's not having that same effect. Mm. And we don't really know, it's one of those things, we don't really know that the absolute cause of ADHD. We, we know that's still, we're still very much in the dark about that. And nutrition is not the only thing we need to be looking at. But once again, it's what I, you know, we talked about this earlier about low-hanging fruit. Mm. It's one of those things that, well, why not? Let's just look at the, the diet of things first, the diet of the child first, because it's something that we can modify and we can make mm. some changes. And that can actually have a huge impact on, on behavior, concentration, um, cognition, you know, thought processes as well mm. from a child yeah. and an adult actually I think mm. we've yeah. all experienced those times ourselves when we've um yeah. <laughs> you know blood sugar fluctuations <laughs> or particularly hangry and and it's a it's a really uncomfortable state to be in it's it's mm. very yeah. yeah and I guess like you said like the low-hanging fruit you know um 
you know, like if you, the, the diet that you talk about in terms of like, a, you know, really balanced kind of whole foods, you know, minimally processed diet, it's not just going to have effect on mood and, you know, behavior and irritability, but it's it's good for everything. Like it's basically mm. the dietary pattern that we recommend for optimal health in every, every area. So we always say to people, look, you know, if you try it, you know, even if you do end up needing medication or anything else, which is, which is fine, like there's no, you know, um, I think we need to definitely get rid of stigma around needing medication for things if, if the nutrition doesn't work. You're still going to benefit because you're going to help every other area of your health mm. as well so that there's basically nothing to lose in trying to kind of improve your diet first. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, mm. yep. Helen, the question I get asked in clinic a lot by mums um, is around supplements. Do you have any words around that and ADHD? Mm. I, yeah, I mean, I work with supplements quite a lot around mental health issues. I do think that they have their place and mm. yes, we can look at diet first, but I do think that um, supplements can be incredible. So we know that, for example, Julia Rutledge down at the University mm. of Canterbury mm. has done quite a bit of research on high dose um, macro, micronutrients, sorry, supplementation on ADHD. And the research does seem to say that once again, it's not everyone that's going to benefit because we're all individual but for some people they do have an incredible benefit of taking some multivitamins to support their brain health so their mental health but also to reduce symptoms of ADHD and then we can sort of think well is there some sort of nutritional deficiency that's happening is that what's mm -hmm. impacting a person's ability to concentrate and think and like I said before the other supplement is omega-3 fatty acids and that's also been shown to be helpful for some people struggling with um, ADHD. Yeah so in terms of like the supplements is there kind of you know obviously like I know Julia has done um, research on like the, that's basically a high dose multivitamin so it's got a lot of different ingredients in it like do you know mm. if there's much evidence behind you know some some specific micronutrients that have got a lot stronger evidence in ADHD or um, or is it just like generally or? Um, I know I don't know if you want me to mention names but that the 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 supplements that Julia uses in her research specifically um, mm. is that like the Hardy's, yeah. Yeah. the Hardy's nutritional ones. Mm. Um, and then there's another one I think called um, Empower Plus, which has also been found. I mean, so those are the ones that the research has been done on. Mm. Um, but I, yeah. couldn't, I couldn't comment about other vitamin and nutrient supplementation so I can't necessarily say that oh yes you can just go and grab anything and, and it'll work yeah. um, so mostly like you said the omega-3 and then like sounds like gen general kind of overall micronutrients rather than like one specific nutrient over others in terms of what the research is looking at yeah that, yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah um, full spectrum yeah. And so from a, like, again, like, you know, in the, in the Nutrition for Mental Health podcast, we talked about, you know, screening for nutritional deficiencies. Um, so you like often, you know, potentially seeing your GP for a blood test. Um, obviously, mm. in kids, that's a little bit trickier, but like, are there any specific nutrient deficiencies that you would, you know, maybe look for in someone that's coming in with ADHD and just wanted to kind of look at their overall nutrition um, before or potentially in conjunction with, you know, looking at medication options? I would would go for the, the usual sorts of zinc, magnesium. Definitely would the, would be the two I would be looking for. If they if there is a test available for omega three, and I don't think there is in the general medical field, but um, there mm. is sort of outside of that for omega three, 
Folate, um, of course, is a one is yeah. another one. B12. So I think it's it's looking once again at the at the the basics, mm. the um, the nutrients that we often test for, and ensuring that there is nothing that's specifically deficient. However, having said that, um, I had a I spoke to Julia Rutledge about this, and she also said that even if your tests come back well within the normal range so even looking at the good part of the normal range in your um, nutrients you may still benefit from a high dose broad spectrum multivitamin like so people have come in they've been tested their levels are within good range start on the supplement and they still get an improvement so just because you're within the range doesn't necessarily mean to say that you're not going to going to improve. So mm. it's, yeah, it's such a yeah, difficult really one. To yeah, yeah. Yeah, we might have to see if Julia wants to be a guest on the podcast at some stage too, because I've followed her research and it is it is really intriguing the stuff that she's doing, and it's right here in New Zealand, which is quite cool. It's wonderful to have her mm. here, actually. Yeah. And yeah. Um, her, yeah, her and Bonnie Kaplan, I think they've done. They've done amazing in really opening up that whole field mm. about nutrition and mental health. And I know that there's been some challenges because they're looking at supplements rather than food, but I think they've also come full circle. Like they've also, they started with the supplements and then they've gone, well, actually we need the food. You know, food comes first, supplements mm. are secondary. And for some people, supplements are just necessary because for, for the reasons of genetics, perhaps, that they just need an awful lot more of B12 or folate or, you know, they need much more than the average person. And for some reason, that's, that's just the way it is. And it's supplemented, it works well. I think she's got, Julia's got quite a good free course as well that I think is available to the general public on FutureLearn called Food and Mood that I did, which I think is well worth doing if you're wanting to get a bit of an introduction around, you know, food and mood and and diving more into that. Um, And I'm pretty sure it's still available on the FutureLearn learning platform too. So it's cool that they're, like you said, just opening up that discussion and getting info out there and trying to educate people around, you know, how important nutrition is, whether you're looking at supplements or diets, still just going Mm. back to like, you know, Focusing on nutrition as a as a really vital tool for mental health. Mm, absolutely, and um, she's also got another free one on edX as the other oh, okay. one. So edX, oh, cool. um, and that one was and I really enjoyed that. So mm. I, uh, yeah, really, it's good to know. Yeah, yeah. Useful. It's so much as I think, especially when people are wanting, like a lot of people are desperately looking for answers and kind of wanting to find, you know, good, reliable information. And it's often just kind of going, like, pointing people in the right direction so that they can actually, because there's, there's so much out there and some of it's amazing and then some of it's not so good. So it's, you know, empowering people to kind of, you know, I guess to have their own kind of journey of discovery and learning in, mm. in an area that they're interested in. Mm. And I think that's the other thing is why research is so confusing as well, because they do research and they say, oh, yeah, this really helped. But then actually, no, it didn't help. And I'm like, well, mm. it's because the person's an individual. And what yeah. might have, you know, yeah. a, a gluten elimination of gluten might have been incredibly useful for one child, but didn't make any difference to another. Yeah. Or nutritional vitamins is so hard, yeah. <laughs> it's so hard. It's so yeah. hard to say, oh, yes, this is the answer. It's mm. It really is. We need to think about the individual. What do they need? Start with mm. the basics, and then and then it's kind of a, a puzzle in some ways, putting together mm. yeah, yeah. what works. 
So I guess in terms of general nutrition for kind of ADHD, like I guess what would your kind of top recommendations in terms of like, you know, saying to people, these are the foods you want to try and include. Um, these are the ones to maybe try and, you know, like avoid or cut out a little bit, like as a big overall picture, people that are wanting to get started on this journey. Absolutely. So once once again, it comes down to those basics of um, fruit and vegetables. So that's definitely the mm. first thing that we should be aiming for. Good quality protein is is the second thing we need to be adding in. I would also add in, especially for uh, mental health, uh, ADHD is fatty, so omega-3s. Omega-3. Mm. Yeah, omega-3. So whether you can get that from salmon and, and things like nuts and seeds, walnuts, mm. um, as they, you know, depends on the child and what they tolerate as well <laughs> and what they like to eat, of course. That's always a tricky one. Um, so, and then eliminating... Food colouring, 100%. If you can, you know, eliminate those highly processed foods that mm. have preservatives and has the additives, and I think that that can make a, a huge difference as well. Mm. Um, you, you know, for some people, like I said, they may need or may benefit from from high dose multivitamins. Um, what else do we need to think about with that? And you mentioned with the, the sugar and carbohydrates as well, I guess, you know, tips for making sure that you're, I guess, what would your tips be around that? Because I know sometimes it's tricky with young kids who are picky eaters and they, kids do seem to always go for the, the high carb, high sugar options when they're seeking yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. And it's so tricky, I think, because my encouragement would always be if you're, if you're making the food yourself, you know what's in it and you mm. know what it's made out of as opposed mm. to buying food. But mm. I know that that's incredibly challenging for um, not all mothers are able to spend hours in the kitchen, you know, preparing food. But it is about, you know, eating as much as, as much as you can, eating that sort of whole base food and treats would be occasional and I think you guys have got some amazing recipes on your blog about what you can make that's still yummy and feels like a real treat but isn't full of um, processed sort of sugar. Mm. We have lots of child tested recipes. <laughs> yes, which is yeah. wonderful. And we talk to patients a lot about, um, you know, as as parents are being good role models, um, you know, getting kids involved in, in the food preparation, letting them choose aspects of it as well, make them feel that they own it um, and that's it, they have some control over it. Talking about like descriptive words around yummy foods and stuff. So there's lots of things that parents can do, I think. Um, and I know, I know it can be really challenging to try and get children to eat healthy foods, but there are little things that you can do, um, you know, that, that you can do at home as a parent to kind of help that process along and really make whole food um, part of your culture and your family. It makes a big difference. Mm. So there is also some really interesting research around, you know, taste, tastes and foods as well. And like often people will say their kids are really picky eaters, whereas um, I can't remember who did the research, but there's some quite cool research showing that like, you know, even if you start to introduce like one or two new foods at a time, your gut microbiome and your taste buds actually change. Um, So like often kids that are really picky eaters, you know, you don't want to go maybe the whole hog straight away but sometimes just starting to introduce like you know like you said one extra veggie into their plate an extra bit of fruit and then over time their taste buds do change and we often mm. find in clinic people like kids kids actually are adaptable even the fussiest ones and sometimes it's just little practical steps one at a time rather than feeling like you've got to overhaul the whole diet at once and those Absolutely, swaps yeah. can actually make a really big difference and like swapping out you know some ultra processed snack foods for you know kid-friendly things that they'll still eat so like bliss balls and things that are made with fruit and nuts like there's often a lot more a lot more leeway in kids diets and what we realize and I think for parents realizing that you don't have to try and fix everything all at once because otherwise it can be quite overwhelming with young kids. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They've probably got yeah. enough on their hands, but yeah, small changes. <laughs> once again, small changes can make a huge difference. They can, yeah. Thank mm. you, Helen. Do you have any final comments you want to sign off on on that topic? I mean, we've got some real good gems today about. I think it's empowering um, parents and also, I guess, people with adult ADHD of feeling like there's a bit of hope and things that they can do at home. Um, are there any final comments you'd like to add around that topic? I don't think so. I think that, um, yeah, one thing at a time and I, and, and mm. just feeling like you've got some, some power and control over this can mm. be so important. Mm. Mm. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Helen. We love the work you're doing. Thank you. so, so good. So <laughs> important. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Your Lifestyle Medics podcast. If you know of anyone who might also like to listen, you'd do us a huge favour by sharing it with them. And if you've enjoyed today, please check out our website, www.yourlifestylemedics.com, where you'll find resources, wellbeing info, workshops and courses, plus a members area you can try for just a dollar. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up to our newsletter, where we send you free recipes, health tips and much more. We can't wait for you to join us on your journey to better health today.